My husband and I have really enjoyed exploring the far reaches of the United Kingdom. And some years ago, with our two sons, um, we were on the Outer Hebrides, the far west of Scotland, beautiful islands. It was the Isle of Harris. And I was reading a booklet about local wildlife. And I was telling my sons in the back of the car all about golden eagles and how amazing it would be if we could see one. Telling them about the colour, what to expect. And they're saying, oh, mum, like this one. And then I'm carrying on about their, their, their beak, their eyes, their pinions, their tail, their wingspan. They're saying, Mum, like this one. And I turn, and there, sitting on the fence next to us in the car, was a golden eagle. It was absolutely amazing. And I was going on from the book, and there it was, right next to us. And what I want to do today, as we are carrying on in our series of teachings from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And I'm going to talk about the priesthood today. I'm going to talk about priests and God's plan um, that he laid out for Moses in Exodus. But what I want us to do is to be careful not to get so engrossed in the detail um, that, we, that we don't look at what's right in front of us. That actually the real thing, that we don't miss the real thing. And that's that's the kind of balance I want to get. We'll look at a bit of detail, but then I want to show you the, re- the real thing. And um, when we're thinking about how we read the Old Testament, um, you know, David Paulson gives us a real caution uh, about allowing it to have too much influence, but also that we don't have too much ignorance, that we read the New Testament in the light of the Old Um, But we also read the Old Testament in the light of the New, that we let both inform each other. And as we are working through Exodus, um, we got to, from Exodus 19 to Mount Sinai. Um, It's where God always said he would bring the people out of slavery to that place, to the mountain, to the place of his presence. And Moses has been going up and coming down and... Uh, he has been getting from God. And he's now in the middle of this kind of 40-day time with God on Mount Sinai, and God is giving him blueprint for handling the holy. You see, the presence of a holy God cannot be handled by sinful people. And God is giving a pattern of how to handle the holy and how to be able to come into his presence as sinful people. He is making a way. And this is the plan that has been unfolded to Moses. He writes it down in Exodus, and we're going to look at that today. Alistair Roberts and Andrew Wilson, in their beautiful summary of the theme of Exodus through the whole Bible, Old Testament and New, um, say that everybody serves somebody. And so the point of the Exodus, that escape from Egypt, is not just for Israel to find deliverance from serving the old master. It is for Israel to find delight in serving the new one. And so that's what we're going to look at today, how God makes a plan and a process for the people to serve and to worship. And so I'm going to read from Exodus 28. And I'm just, you know, really we're taking all of this from Exodus 28, 29 and 39 Um, But I'm going to read you excerpts. So one, two, four. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. 
Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkerwork, a turban and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. And from Exodus 29, 1 to 8. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and leavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. And then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them and the priesthood shall be theirs by statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. And going on to verse 38. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. This is like the daily offering. Two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And then it talks about the flour, the grain offering as well. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generosity generations, a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. There, in the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak with you there, there I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified, made holy by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons, I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord your God. And we see here that this is the God who brought his people out of slavery to dwell with them. But the story is much older than this. We actually see the Bible as one whole story. It is not a series of 66 individual books by 35 authors. It is one continuous story. And um, I love the work of um, G.K. Beale, who has done a a massive book about reading um, the Old Testament in the light of the New. But um, he, again, sees this one story going through the Bible. We have Adam and Eve created to be in the Garden of Eden, set in this larger Um, setting and right at the center God would come and walk with them at the close of the day Um, they were to steward the presence they were to steward the place um, where they met with God and that was um, their role their purpose their identity and um, they got to be with the presence of God they got to be with their creator God And we see the same pattern here with the tabernacle 
of this central, holy meeting place, um, stewarded in a kind of wider settings from priest only, people only, and out to kind of the whole campsite. And again, this is the picture of a priesthood who steward the presence of God, coming in and going out, bringing God's presence out, bringing the needs of the people in. And we see the same later in Solomon's temple, a temple described in Ezekiel, but also finally in Revelation, you see that God's presence has come down, that there is no temple because the lamb is there and that the, all the people get to come in. But also it's this picture of the garden again, all the designs of the of the tabernacle and the temple keep on that recurring theme of garden, of river, of the tree of life. And we see it fulfilled in Revelation with the people of God and the presence of God. And so we are looking from this one story um, how we handle the holy, how we as sinful people get to come close um, to a God who is holy And um, I want to just talk about how priests are chosen, um, that they are consecrated, that they are clothed, and then what they carry. And um, we see that um, these priests were chosen not just from one tribe, which was the Levites, but also from one family, um, Aaron's family. Um, Other Levites were chosen to carry parts of the tabernacle. So again, it's about handling the holy, um, but it was only the sons of Aaron, that um, carried on the priesthood and stewarded the presence of God. It was only the high priest who was able to go in once a year into the Holy of Holies. And they were chosen. It was men. Um, they, 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 They couldn't have any deformity if they had had um, certain injuries or were born um, with certain um, conditions, they would not be admitted to the priesthood. So it was um, restricted. Um, This is um, a holy place that they were entering and that they were handling. They were consecrated. They were set apart. They were made holy. The um, golden, um, like little golden crown or diadem or little... um, sign on the turban said holy to the Lord and um, they were set apart and made holy and that was with the anointing oil which again was set apart for use only in the tabernacle to anoint the tabernacle and anoint the priests Um, but also um, they were consecrated with blood Um, again David Paulson talks that you know it was the tabernacle was more like an abattoir than a tabernacle. The amount of blood um, that had to be um, shed, and the priests themselves—they um, were not holy in their own right. They were sinful people, and yet they were covered with blood. They were um, splattered with blood as part of the anointing. They brought in blood sacrifice for themselves as well as for the people, um, and so they were consecrated. They were also clothed. They've got um, clothing that sets them apart. Um, But clothing also, that brings the people in. Um, The stones on the shoulder had six tribes on one shoulder, six on the other. The, The gems on the breastplate carried every name of every tribe. They were brought in. They were bringing in. It was an intercessory ministry. They carried the people in to God. They carried in the method of cleansing 
um, the people into the presence of God. And it is also, you know, this picture of being made righteous, being um, set apart as holy, um, this, these special clothes they had to wear, even special underwear. Um, everything had been thought of and considered um, to be part of them being clothed. And they also carried, as I've said, they, you know, they carried in blood, blood for their own sins, but also the sins of the people, the daily offerings, the morning offering and the evening offering, the day of atonement um, when the goats were set aside, um, one to be um, killed and the, again the shed blood, but one to carry away the sins of the people. This was all the work of the priests. And they also carried, though, that sense of, you know, presence out of God's presence with them. They carried blessing. There's the priestly blessing in number six that is spoken over the people. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And so there is this carrying in sacrifice and there's this carrying out of blessing and presence. And we though, need to keep looking at the real thing. The book of Hebrews, and which is wonderful to read alongside Exodus and Leviticus, and actually is impossible to understand unless you've read Exodus and Leviticus. But the book of Hebrews talks about the priesthood and the tabernacle as a shadow, as a copy. They were copied down on earth of what is in heaven, and which is why I started with Eden and then to Revelation. They both tabernacle and temple and priesthood are copies. And they were an interim, almost a temporary measure until the real had come, the real thing had come. And they point. And um, we see in David, and I'm going to read to you from Psalm 141, verse 2, but David was a king, he was a man after God's own heart. And way before God anointed him as king, he was a worshiper and he valued and loved the presence of God. And you see throughout his whole life um, how he valued the Lord's presence and how he made it a priority in his life, but also made preparation um, for honoring the presence of the Lord, um, exemplified in the Ark of the Covenant. And so Psalm 1 for 1 verse 2, let my prayer be counted as incense before you that sweet-smelling perfume um, that was burned in the tabernacle by the priests, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And so, like, worship was bringing a lamb to be slain and their bloodshed. And David is saying that his worship is like that. And um, David was a kingly priest, he had that aspect in him, even though he wasn't from the tribe of Levi or the family of Aaron. And yet he, he was pointing. He was at like another clue. He was pointing. He was a type of person of the one who is to come, the real thing. And we actually see in Hebrews, and so Hebrews 5, 1 to 6, and we see who David was pointing to Hebrews 5, 1 to 6. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, 
to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. They were mediators. They were intermediaries. They were standing in the gap for a sinful people and a holy God. And this priest can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's, counting, uh, that's um, quoting from Psalm 110. And so um, we see um, that everything has been pointing. You know, it's like the, the booklet is showing us what a priest is, what they wear, what they do, and it's all put out in loads and loads of detail. We've even got a picture of what they're wearing. But the real deal, the real, the real thing, Everything it's pointing to is Jesus. And Hebrews um, goes on to um, tell us a little bit more. And um, it tells us about how Jesus um, is this high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, um, Melchizedek um, was a king who almost appears out of nowhere. Um, In Genesis 14, Abraham had um, fought five kings. He'd come back with the spoils and he is met by Melchizedek. And it mean, his name means king of righteousness. Again, a shadow, a pointer to someone else. Um, he was king of the city of Salem, Jerusalem, king of peace. And he came with bread and wine, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoil and all the plunder. And again, pointing um, to um, a, a priest that is to come. And you see, Jesus didn't come like, like David, he didn't come from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. Um, and yet he was appointed a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And if we look at Hebrews um, 7, and that's um, 24 to 25, he holds his priesthood, this is Jesus, permanently because he continues forever. So when Aaron died... His son took his place, and so on and so on and so on. Jesus is a priest forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for him. When we looked at the king's coronation, King Charles III's um, beautiful, ornate robes of the priests uh, who were carrying out the service, and officiating. We do need an intermediary. As sinful people, we cannot come close to God, but we have, we have one. We have one. We have someone who will stand in the gap for us. And it isn't a priest wearing beautiful robes anymore. It is Jesus who is our high priest forever. And he is chosen. He's the beloved chosen one. He has been proven as holy. He lived a holy, perfect life. He was proven as holy. And he carried the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. His his blood shed once for all. There is no need for further sacrifice. There is a way through um, to come close to the presence of God. And he carries 
the presence of God out to us. And actually, um, he, again, I'll just read um, Hebrews 10, 11 to 14. Every priest stands daily at the service operating repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. They were pointing to the real deal, the real thing. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There is a way for sinful people to come close to a holy God. And it is through the one high priest who is a priest forever, Jesus Christ. We have one mediator between God and men, one mediator, and he is the only way. And if you are someone who feels that you could never come close to a holy of God, um, either because you feel you could never measure up, which is true, you can't, in your own strength, or because shame holds you, thinking that um, a holy God could never come close to you, there is one mediator. He is able to save to the uttermost, to the farthest edge, those who are trying to be good enough and those who feel they could never be good enough. All need to come to that one high priest. And this is the amazing good news of the gospel. And so we have this high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he was fully man as well as being fully God. And he stands in the gap for us. And it means, it makes such a difference for us now, here, in the 21st century, all this time later. Um, It means that actually we don't treat our leaders as priests. That um, we see in our leaders, um, from Ephesians 4, pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, equipping the people of God for acts of service. But actually, what we see from 1 Peter 2, verse 9, this wonderful statement, which actually is carried on from Exodus 19, when God spoke to the people about his presence from Sinai. So 1 Peter, 1, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just as the Israelites were saved out of slavery to serve, to, be, to enjoy serving, we, as the people of God, are saved from sin, saved from darkness, and brought in to declaring his excellencies, brought into being kingly priests, just like our saviour and enabled by our saviour. We are chosen. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says that we are a chosen people. There's no restrictions. If you've come in under the blood of Jesus, you are chosen. No illness, no deformity, um, no past sin. Um, Whether you are male, female, or from any race, or cultural background. You are chosen. You are chosen. And you are called. Um, You are consecrated and made holy. Um, That beautiful picture of the clothing 
um, is reflected in uh, Zechariah 3, 3 to 5. And it's um, Zechariah the prophet is having a picture of the current high priest, Joshua. So Zechariah 3, 3 to 5. And Satan was accusing Joshua. And now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head, clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And um, 1 Corinthians, you know, talks um, about, um, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says that he who knew no sin uh, became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. As kingly priests, chosen, called, we are consecrated and clothed. We are made holy by Jesus. We are set apart and we are clothed in his righteousness. This isn't of our own doing. This isn't our own works or our own striving. It's Jesus has done this for us. We um, take on his righteousness. And Revelations 19.8 talk about clean linen um, being the acts of the saints and a bride prepared and clothed in splendor. And also we as kingly priests get to carry. Um, we know that we are covered by that sacrifice once and for all, that in everything and even in our messing up that we happens um, in our daily lives, that we can still come back knowing that that sacrifice is enough, the blood of Jesus is enough, and we carry that good news um, to the people we meet. Um, we carry peace. And you know, sometimes you don't even have to make, um, I really, I, I'm sure people, I am a bit weird, I think, you know, when you're talking about spiritual things, but I try not to be too weird. And um, I was with a work colleague who was finding it really difficult, the idea of going to a, a funeral um, of someone who died really quite young. And it was, she was just saying um, how hard she was finding that. And I just, I just put my hand on her knee and I just said, you will have peace for this. And I didn't make a, you know, a big thing that I was bringing this from Jesus and I'm a Christian and I'm bringing this from you, from, from the presence of God I am bringing to you as a priest. Um, I just said, you will have peace. She said to me later that she felt this rush of peace. And she said, you, you bring peace as you put your hand on me. And I said, it wasn't me, I, but I know, I know who it is. I, you know, I just then reflected it back to Jesus. Um, similarly, um, another neighbor who I've been uh, just interacting with for years at different levels, and I'd, I'd prayed hands, um, and laid hands on her to pray for her knee. And uh, she'd said to me later, you have healing hands. No, it's, I have a healing Jesus. And it's, you know, you, you, can, you are bringing presence even into your friendship groups, in your schools and places of education, in, even in the shop, you know, when you're paying for purchases at the petrol station or wherever you are. Um, you are carrying as kingly priests the presence of Jesus, that peace, that blessing. You have authority as kingly priests to take what is in the word of God and what he has prophetically said over your nation and declare it and decree it. You have power to take from the presence of God where your father 
spends time with you and loves to pour out love on you, pour out that love on your community, your family, your nation, your friendship group, your workplace. You walk into your workplace and you change the atmosphere because of who you are and what you carry. It comes down to your identity as kingly priests and your purpose to carry the presence of God who loves to make himself known. Sometimes, actually, that will be received as a challenge, that because of who you carry, it will affect people who are opposed. Don't be surprised. It doesn't change who you are, and it doesn't change who you carry. Um, Part of that anointing that the priest carried, you know, we saw Jesus anointed with oil, that the dove of the Holy Spirit resting on him. We have that same Holy Spirit. We are carrying. Um, Jesus said, the Father and I will make ourselves at home in you through the Holy Spirit. And this is, we are, you know, we're living temples as well as kingly priests. And we're carrying by the Holy Spirit the presence of God to, to, to bring people from slavery into light. And so we get to see beyond the shadow, beyond the coffee, um, to learn from the detail of what was the plan <laughs> that Jesus brought to bear. And that is a hope for the nations um, and a hope for all peoples that through Jesus and his one-time sacrifice, this great high priest who loves us and who sacrificed himself for us so that we could come into the presence of a holy God so that we could handle the holy, um, he, this living high priest, brings us into his presence now. And when we die or when he comes again and we, we get to have heaven on earth, we get to have unalloyed experience of the presence of God when the presence is brought down. And so we serve this great high priest in worship and in our daily lives as a priesthood of believers, as kingly priests. And uh, that's what we get out to do in our everyday. Thank you.